Hey everyone, it's Leanne from the Alberta Motorcycle Safety Society and welcome to Think Bike, a podcast about all things motorcycle and the voice of motorcycle safety and awareness in Alberta. We will talk about everything from tips and myths on gear, maintenance, technique, education, and so much more with our very informed guests. So thank you for joining us this week. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing some traffic tips, some road tips, some opinions or whatnot. Our special guest today is Chief Newfeld from the Calgary Police Service. How are you today? I'm doing great, Leon. Great to be here. Am I allowed to call you Mark or shall I call you Chief? You just call me Mark. Totally <laughs> okay, perfect. It's Sunday. And yeah, that's true. Um, so you are a rider, correct? I think like we kind of got connected through a weird way, but we'll start with you're a rider. What do you ride? How long have you been riding? Where's your favorite place to ride? Oh, man. Well, I can tell you, uh, yeah, so I am a rider. I started probably you know, probably in junior high school, I would say. I grew up in rural Alberta, so there was no public transit and things were, you know, quite spread out from one another. And so I started out on dirt bikes that my father picked up at grad sales, I think. Uh, at least they would show up at home and so then I would ride them. And so I had Kawasaki's and Suzuki's and stuff back in the day. And then, of course, when I kind of, both the time I finished school and then left uh, rural Alberta to study and stuff like that, I got away from motorcycles and ATVs for a number of years. But probably back in the mid-2000s, I bought a uh, Yamaha 1100 V-Star. And that was my introduction to the sort of the cruiser world. And so I rode that for a number of years. And currently, uh, I have a 2016 Street Glide. And so I'm loving riding that, especially here in southern Alberta, and getting out uh, on the back roads and out through Turner Valley and Black Diamond and uh, the Highwood Pass and all the places you can ride in southern Alberta. The Highwood Pass on my list of things I still haven't done. I mean, come on. What a bad person I am. I hear nothing about it. Great road. Okay. Worth it. What's that? Sorry. Worth it to get down there for that. Do you know what? Totally worth it. I can tell you we had a great time, but we went really early when we went in the season, kind of around Father's Day. And I think the pass had just opened oh. and I had my with me on the bike and uh, she froze at the top of it. The snow was still right on the up to the roadway. And so the temperature when we started was not the temperature at the top of it so if you wait till july i think that might be a better time to go okay well i will note that so as, what i alluded to earlier was we met through a weird way and it was prior to you becoming the chief in calgary you are you still the president of the alberta police chiefs association uh, did i do so, that right yeah no perfect the short answer is yes so you and I met when I was the chief in Camrose. And so then I was out as the president, uh, my term ended. And then now I'm back again. So long, long, the long answer is uh, I was and it wasn't. And now <laughs> the short answer is yes, I am. <laughs> and we had, uh, we connected because I wanted to get some help and guidance on a sticky situation, no pun intended, um, of our medical data carriers and an issue that we had in, in Edmonton at that time with um, tickets for having stickers on helmets. And I want to thank you very much for helping us get through that with the Edmonton Police Service as well and and having all that information and making sure that our means to put medical data carriers on people's helmets was going to be okay for everybody. So appreciate that. Um, what kind of thing... Go ahead. I was just, no, I was just going to jump in, Leanne, and say it's funny because I was at the uh, motorcycle show in Edmonton and I saw the booth that the society had and I saw the initiative and I thought, what a great idea. 
And then later when we got connected and stuff, it was really just a matter of making connections because it made too much sense, really. And uh, just making sure that folks in government and in the police services understood, you know, what the intention was. And so I think we were able to help, which is you know exactly what we're here to do. Yeah, and the feedback that I got from the motorcycle show in Calgary, because we're always placed beside um, all of the police booths, was how much those guys appreciated the medical data carriers simply because it saved them the time of trying to find next of kin or the family contact, because emergency contacts are on that little piece of paper. You know, whatever makes those phone calls faster is better for everybody involved. You know, it, like I say, from a common sense perspective, it just it just made too much sense to, to do that. So thank you for the work you guys are doing and uh, promoting oh. safety. So just those relationships to make these when there are when there are situations where, you know, first responders need to come into contact with riders and family and stuff that is really helpful. Well, I'm I'm glad that we can play our, our role in that as well. I, I know that you're the big dog in Calgary. You're the, the chief, but uh, do you still notice things like uh, you're, you drive in traffic, obviously, every day? What are some things that you notice from drivers and riders where we can possibly improve on? I do, actually. And it's I, I actually don't ride my motorcycle to work. And I, I don't only because uh, throughout the day, I end up traveling around the city and generally speaking in full uniform. And so it would probably look a little funny. <laughs> and of course, in southern Alberta, you can't always prepare for the weather either. So. Uh, so I generally don't ride to work because I ride quite a ways through traffic and stuff like that. So I keep my motorcycling a bit separate. I really enjoy when I'm off to be able to, you know, uh, enjoy the sport there to get out and see the sights in Southern Alberta and stuff. So I keep them rather separate, but because I am a rider, I definitely do notice. I can tell you a few things that I see uh, around that I, that actually concern me are, you know, that aggressive type driving that, that sometimes you see in traffic where you see excessive speeds um, you know, I've been on Deerfoot where if you're from Calgary, you know, Deerfoot moves pretty fast anyway. And then suddenly somebody will come and they'll be on a motorcycle and they'll be driving, you know, through between traffic. And, you know, these are all things I think that experienced riders know are huge risks. And of course, the the threats don't just come from uh, from from your operation of your motorcycle. It's all the other people on the road. Uh, and I just I watch that stuff. And it's like when I, when you see it. If I have a police vehicle or I have my stuff, I'll stop the person every time if I can, uh, because I just think that's so dangerous. Sometimes, too, another thing that I think is is really um, concerns me is I see folks and I get when the weather's good and stuff like that. But you see folks riding in sandals and shorts and, and helmets that are, I, I guess I would say, are um, minimalist. Um, and sometimes you even see people on the back of those bikes, like individuals with their partners on the back of the bikes and stuff like that. And and then you see this aggressive riding and I cringe every time I see it because I again, I think to myself, you know, some people say, well, I'm such a skilled rider or that person is such a skilled rider. And I, I believe that if you're riding like that, you're not a skilled rider and it, maybe it's attitudinal or whatever. But I think you're you're playing Russian roulette and uh, and with people on the back who aren't in control. And it, it, it really concerns me to see that. The other thing, I, I just a quick uh, comment on the equipment. Like, I think that we've come such a long way in terms of the quality of equipment that's out there, safety equipment, in terms of not just visibility, but also comfort and uh, and protection that, you know, I think riders need to really think about uh, making sure they're protecting themselves um, and doing it all the time. I know it's easy to jump on your bike and say, hey, I'm just going to take a quick ride. But at the end of the day, that's that's sometimes when bad things happen. 
Absolutely. And, you know, when I started getting into writing, and I'm not going to say how many years ago that was, uh, there wasn't a lot of options for women's gear specifically, unless it was pink. And I'm not a pink person. Like, by all means, will not wear pink. The amount of gear out there now that looks so fashionable, you can tell I'm a girl on a bike, but has all that proper armor or Kevlar or whatever. It's there's there really isn't any excuse on that. Let's switch gears over to what you see from drivers that maybe play a big hindrance to our community as riders. Like, obviously, distracted driving is still such a huge problem. How do we combat that? Yeah, that was going to be my first one. I think that uh, that's what I see. I think, you know, I know myself when I'm on a motorcycle, I am uber dialed in, right? Like, I'm always looking uh, looking out and, and looking closer and then looking for options and trying to see uh, where threats may exist and anticipate if someone did pull out, what would I do? Uh, you know, I think sometimes you can get complacent in uh, in motor vehicles. And, you know, there's the distraction piece. Like, I, I still see it lots. And I still, when I have time and when I can, I pull people over myself uh, when I see distracted driving and people on, on, on uh, their phones. So I think, you know, when you're, by definition, we're vulnerable road users when we're on the road, and simply because it may have nothing to do with what you're doing. You may be stopped at a light, and if somebody's not paying attention, you just don't have the protections, right? Yeah. So I think driving is absolutely number one. And then the other thing I think we have to be mindful is that um, is that we have a lot of different ranges of experience of people driving. And, you know, we want our kids to drive. And in Alberta, I think we start our kids, you know, 15 minutes after you're 14 years old, your learner's license, and 15 minutes after you're, uh, you're 16 years old, like you, we tend to get our driver's license. And that's a bit of a stereotype because I think that might be changing a bit. But, you know, the, but the point is there's folks that don't have a lot of driving experience. And so I think part of it is trying to help, you know, through extension programs and information programs. You guys do it. We do it. You know, on certain times of the year when the motorcycles come out, a bit of extra risk, you know, in Alberta where you have a riding season. And so the motorcycles aren't on the road all the time. So I think there's always a need to be reminding people that the motorcycles are coming back out and you need to be thinking about, you know, how, you know, how um, they present on the road. Like sometimes, again, it's very easy to think that you have time because the motorcycle's smaller, but the reality of it is it's often going faster than you think. And we've all had, you know, uh, large vehicles sitting in our blind spots uh, that we didn't see and we were surprised when we didn't. Well, how easy is it for a motorcycle to uh, escape your um, your um, awareness there? And so there's just so much, I think, that as drivers we need to do. And as the police service, we keep on doing that. But, you know, that's the other thing I see in, in uh, southern Alberta that I didn't in northern Alberta is because of the Chinooks, like suddenly in February or January, you get a nice stretch of, of time and suddenly you see motorcycles out. And that is the one thing that concerns me about that, obviously, is that that's outside of the timing of all of those awareness programs. So when you would be, you know, as a police service, we'd be alerting people that the motorcycles are coming back out. Um, you know, sometimes you have people out and, and it may be that they're good riders and all the things. But I tell you, people have to think about, you know, the sand and gravel on the roads and really how safe it is, even if the weather's conducive for a day or two, whether or not the road conditions are conducive and whether or not the attitudes and the drivers out there are aware. It's just something to really think about. Absolutely. We have a we have a young guy in Edmonton that studs his tires and rides all year round. So, I mean, he does the all season. But going back to that whole thing where we have an actual season and how that kind of like I'm tying it into lane splitting, which you brought up as as a concern. That's legal in California, illegal here. 
And I, it annoys me when people compare the two because they're the same, but they're not. Like they ride all year round in California. So you're kind of, it's like England or Europe. You're born into knowing motorcycles are on the road all the time. Here we have winter, you know, so it doesn't quite work the same. And we have super aggressive drivers and riders out there that introducing lane splitting probably not a good idea lane filtering maybe but still lots of education away from maybe getting into that um let's switch a little bit on to the actual bikes themselves because since i have you and because the police will you know do motorcycle um, checks like equipment checks, same as they do on vehicles, same as you do for seatbelts, same as you do for drunk driving. There's always blitzes of different kinds to try and educate and, and, uh, bring awareness to different scenarios. One of the things that I hear a lot of complaining about online is, well, of course people get a motorcycle and they rip off all their reflectors, but that's in legislation, you know, things like that, visible license plates. Cause you get those tidy tails on the back of a lot of bikes and, you know, like, in your opinion, why are these things important to leave in place? Well, some of it is, I guess, legislated, and then some of it is actually, I think, just really practical. If you're a rider, you would want that. It just makes common sense. So I think, obviously, of the reflectors, like visibility is such a huge thing. Uh, so at the end of the day, if you have anything, whether it be on your on your safety equipment, your clothing, your helmet, uh, or the bike itself that actually serves to improve visibility, that's inherently a good thing. You know, then when we're talking about things like uh, license plates and that type of thing, I have seen some of these situations where people put on aftermarket um, plate holders and stuff like that, and then they want to, um, you know, resize the plates. And I think, you know, you, you made a really good uh, reference, uh, Leanne, to what happens in California or other jurisdictions doesn't translate directly to here. Uh, just because you see it in a different jurisdiction doesn't mean it's lawful. And so here in Alberta, you know, the register... Um, issues the plates and of course the motorcycle plates are smaller than the, the regular vehicle plates but this is something that i think is probably a growing trend because we see a little bit more of it and i think with the recent move by the government to take away the stickers or the uh, registration stickers the plates are probably subject to a bit more manipulation or a bit more adjustment than they were before because if you think about it the stickers were you know largely the same size and where they were placed on the on the plate it would be harder to to adjust the size of the plate but I think, um, you know, now we may see more of it, but that's that's going to be unlawful. Um, the plate that's issued is the one that should go on and uh, and it shouldn't be obstructed or it shouldn't be a photocopy or, it, or any of those things. I know my wife and I enjoy going to uh, Maui and that whenever we go there, I see people renting motorcycles and you don't have to wear a helmet down there. And I, uh, you know, I've been down there and I've rented a motorcycle myself. And guess what? I would not ride a motorcycle in Maui just because I can doesn't mean it's a good idea. Right. Like it's completely unsafe. And you think about the way that that uh, everybody from all over the world is driving around out there and looking at the beautiful sights. Very easy to be distracted just by the beauty of nature. Like there's certain things that just don't make any sense. And they're 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 laws or, or they're uh, put on your bike there for, for a reason. And those are good reasons. And I think we shouldn't try to defeat um, the benefit of those things that have been put on there for our safety. And also when it comes to the license plate, I think accountability. It's a privilege to drive. It's a privilege to drive motorcycles. And at the same time, we do have people that abuse that privilege. And obviously, uh, we want to make sure that, you know, if somebody is 
um, observe somebody driving unsafely or whatever the case might be, that they can read a license plate or the police can read it. That's just part of the accountability piece that comes with driving. Absolutely. That's the same thing with Montana with that no helmet thing as well. Like my best friend lives down in Montana and, uh, you know, people often take them off once they cross the border. And it's interesting, the uh, very large moto family that I have in Missoula, Montana, not one of them will ride without a helmet, even though legally they, they can. So that says a lot about personal accountability and making sure that they're safe. Just back to the license plate thing. So just to be clear, it is illegal to cut up your license plate to make it fit, right? Like you're not allowed to alter it in any way. So it's funny, uh, you and I sort of talked about this ahead of time. And so that would be my interpretation. I'm going to follow up uh, on this for you, Leanne, because I don't think it's been tested. I can't, you know, reaching out to the traffic members there. I don't think we've had a case that's gone through the courts yet, but I'm also mindful through COVID, the courts were closed and that type of thing. So so I can't tell you that it's been through and been tested yet, but I and that there's been tickets issued for it. But my, my expectation would be that there would be, it would be like cutting up the license plate up on the back of your car, yeah. um, you know, so it's smaller and more difficult to uh, to read. And I and I, I sort of um, equated even to folks who put it on and then they bend their plate in a certain, you know, position so that you've got an angle that you can't read it or stick, you know, a, a cover of some sort over it there so that it can't be read at certain angles or at all. All of that's illegal. So certainly I think that adjusting your plate by uh, adjusting the size and, and sort of customizing it will be similarly illegal. And then one of the other things that I've been seeing a lot on Facebook lately is people have been telling people it's okay for them to photocopy their license plate to shrink it to fit these smaller plate holders. Some go as far as carrying their regular plate in their bag just in case they get pulled over. And I'm like, then what's what's the point? But I would think a photocopy of your license plate would probably fall under those same parameters that haven't been tested yet in court. Yeah. And again, I, my, my full expectation would be that that would be unlawful. I can't. And again, I don't think we've seen a lot of those, but I mean, if you think about it, people who are photocopying plates, then you have to put some sort of a cover over top of it because of course, if it rains or the sun or whatever. So, you know, it tends to be that some of those covers are the kind that would actually be beneficial in terms of making it more difficult to read. Yeah. Uh, I, just, I'm thinking of the psyche that, that makes you want to reduce your plate size uh, and then adding this probably a big step. So, yeah, so I, you know, the plates, the plates have to be plainly seen in red from all angles. And so when the register issues you one of a certain size that's approved in the province, the expectation would be that that's the one that's on there. Mm -hmm. Um, I think having it in your backpack, you know, is going to be problematic because it's not displayed. You know, having it with you isn't, isn't good enough. So again, this is some areas that are a little bit untested. And I don't think that uh, I can tell you where I think we would fall on it in terms of, uh, in terms of enforcement. And then obviously it's got to be tested by the courts. And I don't believe that's that's happened yet. But I but I can't imagine that the courts are going to view that favorably. Yeah, no. And and, and so I guess the last point I want to touch on is um, I you guys do an amazing job. I would never want to do your job. I said the same thing to uh, Justin Nabick, who was on an earlier episode as a 25 year firefighter. Like, I can't imagine the trauma that you guys go through and stuff like that. But when it comes to like these blitzes for like tickets, whether it's, you know, drunk driving blitzes or distracted driving blitzes or like motorcycle equipment checks or anything like that, people have a hard time remembering that you guys don't make the law. You're mandated to enforce that, correct? Yeah, 100%. 
And, and a lot of it comes from, too, uh, when you think about uh, the horrific, I'm, I'm thinking of the uh, firefighter that you're referencing there. You know, you think about the calls that first responders go to when, when something has happened that's bad. And you can understand why they're such strong supporters of safety equipment and safe riding and stuff like that, because obviously those are things that actually keep our folks safe in the riding community. And then again, you can't control everything, but if something bad does happen, it certainly minimizes the risk, uh, the risk of injury and death and lasting injury. And so we all know people who've been injured. And so nobody wants that, right? And it's horrific to have to deal with it. So, but a lot of those blitzes too are around what we're, um, you know, high collision locations. Uh, and we don't have, you know, the good news is that the aggregate number of collisions, certainly in Calgary, motorcycle collisions are down a little bit. That's the good news. Total number of collisions are down, but our fatal collisions are up a little bit. Um, and so that number was during 2020. I think you talked about it last year okay. uh, in the session as well. I think it, there was five fatal collisions in Calgary in uh, 2020 during the pandemic. And I think we all kind of attributed some of that to less vehicles on the road and, and you know, again, the increases in speed and and maybe a little bit of complacency because people didn't didn't think they had to be as as uh, as dialed in because there was less traffic on the roads. But um, you know we're down in 2021. The number went down to three, but the average has been uh, you know around 2.8. So we're a little bit above that. But the reality of it is one of these is one too many, and even the non-fatal collisions also result in injury. But the, so we look at places where you know where there's lots of riders and that sort of thing. And the other the other piece that comes from that is uh, complaints about noise. So obviously taking baffles out of mufflers and making them louder and that type of thing, you know, in certain areas of town where, you know, we're getting higher, you know, concentrations of people living in high density housing and condos and stuff like that, you get a lot of complaints. Yeah. And I have and in my neighborhood, and I'm sure it's the same for you and many of your listeners, you know, my, my bike can be loud, uh, but I can also make sure that it's not disruptive. And so when I come in and out of my neighborhood, I use respect and I make sure that it's not disruptive. Yeah. And I think incumbent upon all of us, you know, especially when we go down to some of these areas of town, not to make it maximally disruptive. I mean, all of us in the in the community, you know, understand the difference in the, the trade-off between safety. You want it, you want it to be loud enough to be heard and safe. But the other hand, the other hand, you know, you don't have to when you leave a light, you know, down on 17th Ave or whatever, you don't have to crack the throttle wide open so everybody for 10 blocks hears you either. Well the and the one thing that I would like to note about the city of Calgary and their kind of approach to noise restriction is your city has always been very all-encompassing. You recognize it's not just a motorcycle issue. And it's different in other cities, or it appears to be different in other cities. I'll say that might be mine. I don't know. But I have noticed in this whole like noise issue, Calgary has always been trying to be all-inclusive for all the vehicles. So we appreciate that because the target on just motorcycles is just absolutely unfair and unrealistic to the noise that is out there for noise pollution. So thank you. Uh, thank you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Hey, I spent time on uh, 17th Ave and stuff like that as well. We enjoy going down there. And I know when you're down there, if you're down there sitting on a patio or walking on the streets, you know that it isn't just motorcycles, it's yeah. cars. It's, and it's all types of cars. It's not like it's not just vintage cars or anything like that. There's modifications being made to all types of vehicles, newer and older, yeah. uh, to make them louder. And, and even then, you don't have to drive them in a way that, again, makes them maximally disruptive. But some people do that. So I really think it's more around the individuals and how they, you know, how much <laughs> it's like, look at me. Yeah. And we're down there if you want 
have somebody look at you, I will we'll have a look at you. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Um, one quick opinion on um, 80% of our fatals in the last couple of years being out in rural Alberta. What's your opinion on that? And then we will uh, thank you for your time. <laughs> Because you grew up in rural, so you understand that. But like, it's been a really big problem. And this year, that's all the fatals, especially around the Cochrane area. You know. Well, I, the one thing that I guess I would say, and, and this is for me, uh, I guess I'll go back to where we started a little bit here. So when I began riding motorcycles, you know, I didn't have any training at all. I mentioned my dad brought home motorcycles from Enskidoo's and stuff like that from different auction sales or garage sales, and I started riding them and. And being out in rural Alberta, there wasn't a lot of traffic. And it was fortunate for me, I was able to learn. But I have to tell you, before I moved into the cruiser world, I went to um, the, uh, it was at Nate uh, in Edmonton. And I took the course. I forget who put it on exactly. But James was, McCarthy. Yes, yes, it was James. And I think Brian Reedman. And there was ex-police officers, or they may not have even been ex at the time, but down instructing. Um, and so I thought it was really important for me because I hadn't actually had any formal training and I, I, I in, in all, in all honesty, I probably developed some bad habits because I never had been shown fully. And so for me, I just, I felt that it was incumbent, you know, for me to be safe and for others to be safe for me to do that. And so, you know, I, I think sometimes when we're in rural Alberta and again, I'm not stereotyping, that's where I started out, but I didn't feel as strong a need to do that because I, I felt safer and more secure because there was less traffic and, but, you know, I've seen some things, you know, I'm a runner as well. And I remember running in rural Alberta. I'd run out to the highway from our home and back. And one Sunday morning, I was out uh, and I was coming up to the highway. It was about two miles from the house. And it was a beautiful Sunday morning, not unlike this one. And I heard this noise and I'm like, what is that noise? And so I'm standing at the corner of the highway and I'm looking, uh, it would have been to the east at that time. And I looked to the west, like I can't see any vehicles. And uh, anyways, uh Pretty soon from the right, from the east, this a little dot became evident. And then this motorcycle went by. And honestly, Leanne, I don't know how fast that bike was going. But I, th I thought to myself, if I had been, it wouldn't even be so much, it wouldn't have to be an elderly person even. But if I had just been somebody in a car that came up to that corner and looked left and looked right and pulled out onto the road, there was no hope of stopping. Like there's there, yeah. no way in the world. And you just think to yourself, again, how much risk people take on uh, in some of those environments where there's they, they think there's space. But the problem is when you're moving that quickly, there's no time. And it isn't just time for you, you know, because I mean, how much, you know, how much steering input or, or braking input and how much difference is it going to make at 200 miles an hour? Yeah. Uh, and there's no time for the other person either. And so and those collisions are just so catastrophic when they do happen. Um, you know, when they're in the cities and stuff like that in the areas downtown, I, I worked downtown in Edmonton for many years and honestly didn't go to that many uh, collisions uh, in downtown Edmonton and involving motorcycles. And the ones I did actually weren't didn't tend to be that serious because speeds weren't that high for either uh, the, the drivers of the vehicles or the motorcycles. But as soon, soon as you start moving away from the core like that and then out into rural areas, uh, speeds get to be higher. And, and like I say, things just become more catastrophic. And so. I just think it's really important for people, number one, to make sure that you've taken the safety courses and make sure that you understand the risks so that you're applying your own common sense to keep yourself and your passengers safe. Like I say, just because you can do something, whether it be go fast because there's nobody around as, as far as you're, you know, or whether it's, you know, you can not wear a helmet or, or you can lane split or whatever the case might be, that just doesn't mean that's safe to do. And that's not, that doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing to do. So I appreciate that most good riders talk about these things and, 
maybe become uh, members of societies like yours so that, you know, these are discussions that we have about how to keep ourselves safe and just go to the statistics, right? And you can look and see who becomes a, stati- a statistic mm-hmm. and, who, and, and what's the difference in attitude between folks that do and, and folks that don't. And so anyway, I just think it's such a great, uh, you know, and I, I really enjoy it. But again, I have a, I have a huge respect for it because I, I know what can happen. Um, and I think that, you know, most of us are, are in that same boat. Perfect. You know what? That is a great point to leave off on. Thank you so much, Mark, for taking the time. I, I know that you're a busy man and, and I definitely appreciate uh, that your time with all this great information uh, about some traffic tips and other things. To make sure that you don't miss out on any of our upcoming podcasts or to listen to previous ones, make sure you click on subscribe or follow wherever you get your ear pod or your podcast ear candy from. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover or a guest you think that would be great on the show, let us know. How? Well, you can follow us on all the socials or reach out through our website at ab-amss.org or even just email us straight at info at ab-amss.org. Always remember to ride smart, ride safe, and think bike. We will see you out on the road.